2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Hey, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Tittleting Sports with Rick Tittle. I think the uh, audio sounds much better today than it did yesterday. Apologies for that, but uh, here we is, and let's talk some sports. We got three hours to do it. And the thing about my show is, not only do I cover, I'm Mike. I'm I'm Mike Tittle. Uh, Rick Tittle will be here in a second. There he is. Come on in, Rick. All right, there we are. Uh, I cover every sport, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, could have told about chess, checkers, rugby, cricket, that type of stuff. I also I do a lot of uh, entertainment guests as well. On Tuesdays, uh, it must be Belgium, and I check in with Karen Lyle from salesporttalk.com at 940. We're going to kick things off talking with Jeffrey Whittinghagen from Premium Games. We're also going to have the American Humane Society president, Dr. Robin Ganzert. Not a lot of sports in the first hour. (laughs) The second hour is wide open for your calls and texts at 1-800-878-PLAY. And then uh, at 1140, we'll have Mike Lupica and James Patterson. Those guys together have uh, sold more books than uh, just about anybody. They've collaborated on a book as well. I hold it up here to the twitch.tv cameras. It's called The House of Wolves. Murder runs in the family. Oof. The Wolves, a powerful family in California. Yes. So we'll talk about that. Tomorrow on the show, Kevin Pollack will be back again. You, Lieutenant Weinberg. Uh, Him as well. All right. Big shout out to our troops listening both home and abroad on the American Forces Radio Network. If you're in the military, I'm on your side. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, Space Force, Delta Force. Keep up the good work. We're proud of you. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're on the Internet at sportsbyline.com. Go there. Click Listen Live. Any emails, Rick at sportsbyline.com. Tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, as I mentioned, twitch.tv. Tiddling Sports with Rick Tittle is a Facebook page, and the Twitter is at Rick Tittle. Come on back.
4: I'm
5: getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20. So am I, because I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia.
6: I'm asking about Prevnar 20 because there's a chance pneumococcal pneumonia could put me in the hospital. Age 65 or older, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I want to be able to keep my plans.
4: So I'm asking my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20.
6: The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now.
1: 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate
0: savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show the CEO of Premium Edition Games. It is Jeffrey Wittenhagen, or do you say Jeffrey Wittenhagen?
2: You can say whatever you want.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got some pretty awesome retro editions of uh, Wonderling or Wonderling DX, and Rain on Your Parade, coming very soon for the Nintendo Switch, and uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, what got this all off the ground?
2: So, um, basically, I've been working in the publishing community, publishing books originally for the last ten years, and you know, being uh, growing up with as a gamer, loving my retro video games. Um, Always wanted to get into preserving physical medium uh, for posterity when it comes to video games. And come 2020, we were given the opportunity by Nintendo and by Sony to publish games physically for them. And we thought, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it to another level. Set standards when it comes to physical publishing. Um, And if you recall, uh, we had been on Sports Byline before uh, talking about Super Blood Hockey, which was our first release that we did
3: Mm -hmm. back in the day. What What year did I do that interview? Do you remember?
2: End of 2020, beginning of 2021 is when we had our first release going out there to the masses.
3: So you guys caused the pandemic.
2: We caused the pandemic,
3: actually. We were given an opportunity by Nintendo because
2: of said pandemic. Um, that being said, though, I do know you're on the Armed Forces Radio Network, and I do currently serve as well as my main hustle. Because <laughs> I do video game publishing on the side as a, as a fun, passionate hobby where we're trying to do raise the bar and do really awesome things with physical media. But I do also serve as well.
3: That's great. Are you active or reserves?
2: I am active duty army.
3: <laughs> That's great. Now, are you uh, are you an officer? Are you enlisted? Where are you stationed?
2: Um, I am enlisted, been a senior non-commissioned officer, uh, been in almost 18 years now. Wow. I uh, just finished my time as a first sergeant out at Fort Gordon, Georgia, and about to move to Hawaii, which will be interesting as I get closer to retirement.
3: That's great. Now, you got a lot of sashes on your arm, huh?
2: A couple rockers and a a few chevrons. Yeah,
7: absolutely.
3: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we're here with uh, uh, Sergeant Wittenhagen. Let's talk a little bit about rain on your parade retro edition, (laughs) enamel pin, vinyl cloud kit. You would know about a dog tag, full color manual, challenge card, the retail gain, the slip case, and then thick, cloudy coaster. Tell us about all that good stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. So um, when we do all of our games, our standard release is like a mini collector's edition. When we do these retro editions for our games, we're doing stuff that's inspired by the Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, where we're giving it a cardboard box, the same size as those classic boxes, and adding a ton of goodies. Uh, so certain things that you mentioned when it comes to rain on your parade, uh, you play as an a-hole cloud, by the way, and just ruin everything. It's a hilarious game. Very child-friendly. Um, but within that retro edition, we're adding things such as a CD soundtrack in there, um, as well as the full physical game. Uh, And then we have this thing called a vinyl sticker set that we have inside. And with that vinyl sticker set, you can actually take the interior of the insert that goes into the game and make your own cover for the game, which is really, really cool. It's like a build-your-own-cloud kit that you can add to the game. Um, And on top of that, inside of our standard edition games... Uh, of the standard for premium we have a challenge card in full color manual so manual like back in the day full color i used to do books so i'm definitely getting large with the page counts on it. it's really fun just like you would expect back in the day and then our challenge card which harkens back you know some of us that are a little bit older to the atari activision era where on the back of this card the developer creates a challenge to complete the challenge we'll mail you a patch for free Um, You also had mentioned a dog tag. Um, You know, it harkens back to my military service, but also it's a pre-order exclusive. So those that pre-order the item on our website, they get a free dog tag shipped to them with their pre-order.
1: Rain
3: on your parade over 50 levels. Come on in and give a lightning bolt there in that game. All right, let's talk about uh, Wonderling DX. This is also, I just remember the cover, it looks like a turnip chasing a carrot there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on here. You also have uh, a lot of the same stuff: dog tag and extra, right?
2: Oh yeah, and that Wunderling, you know, Wunderling is very interesting because you start playing, you see this carrot and everything, and you're like, oh, it's like a Mario game, and then you realize the carrot's the bad guy in it, and you play as the wandering Goomba that literally is on its path just to to get through the level, and then you get all these abilities that you can add with double jump and hovers and sprints. And you're collecting all these items along the way. Super addictive, very great for uh, you know, speed runners. And it has tons and tons of unlockables, including free DLC that was added to the cartridge. Um, the collector's edition is very similar to Rain in Your Parade, where we're adding the sticker sheet for the alternate covers, uh, soundtrack. And both do have, you mentioned earlier, the enamel pins. Now, these aren't some tiny little pins. These are big pins. Don't even fit inside the box. They're alongside because they're such giant pieces. Um, everything we do at Premium, we try to like raise the bar. Um, the other piece you're going to see on these boxes is that they are foil embossed inside there. So certain pieces on each element have foil embossing. So things shine and pop. Uh, the Your Parade lip case that goes on our standard all the rain is foil blue on vunderling at the very top there's like this little bit that what's included in the game and that's all in foil so we're trying to do like really high quality releases with everything and as a surprise everything is in hand and ready to ship right now so if people go to our website you can actually buy it and get it shipped this week to you
3: the thing I t- love about Wunderling uh, as well, uh, the, the guys over at, uh, guys and gals over at Bitwave, is that you're right, it's a platformer, but it reminds me a little bit of Mega Man 2 a little bit back in the 16 bit days, but mm-hmm. then at the end you jump on the flag and pull it down, but then again it's got speeds almost like uh-huh. Sonic. I mean, it really is a great match of all those games.
2: Oh yeah, it's uh, it's an excellent game. Um, BitWave is also part of the mega corporation now, Embracer Group. They're actually been doing a lot of really cool porting recently with that big uh, corporation. Uh, we do, uh, are only doing the physical rights for the game right now, to do physical publishing. But it's really cool to be part of that whole you know group right there as part of Wunderling, because it's just a super fun game. Uh, the pixel graphics are, like, it's like Super Nintendo style. If it was taken to the next level because there's no way that game would run on a super nintendo it's to the next level it's like modern retro with our tagline modern retro done right like we try to do everything with a cool old school sheen to it
3: i think you're a great commercial for recruiters too because i think a lot of people think that once they join the military they're putting a lot of other stuff on hold and i think it's amazing that you're able to have a military career and still be working on this i think that a lot of people would uh, like hearing your story
2: Oh, yeah. Like it's um, it's very interesting because, you know, I just worked as, kind of as a first sergeant. I'm working 16 hour days at that point. But um, the key is, is where there's a will, there's a way. I am surrounded by a great team at premium edition games. So it's not a one person show by any means necessary. We have a lot of amazing people that work with our company. And, you know, so what I do is I do my my 16 hour days, do my PT in the morning, doing my normal first on deities my phone's still on call all the time but then i'm sitting there knocking out different aspects of premium edition games and i do design work for a lot of these physical elements as well because it's super fun that's my you know my passionate hobby it's like literally one of those things where when you say you know live in the dream Like literally get to live the dream every day working with premium on top of things. And there's no reason why while you're in the military, if you can do something on the side that doesn't interfere with your day-to-day, you can 100% make it happen. And what I'm building is not only a nest egg for myself when I retire from the military, but also like my family. Because my daughter like at 10 years old is programming as well. And she wants to, you know, she's getting inspired and getting passionate about video games herself. So it's really cool to be able to like kind of create a legacy for everyone and support all these amazing developers and make their games you know physically available for the posterity of that of video games. So like when these eShop, these digital eShops go away, these cartridges will still exist and people can still play them, which is one of the coolest things.
3: It's really cool. One more question for you, just as an aside. I know forever yeah. we had the they called the uh, 1911-45 was the official sidearm, and then for a while they went with the Beretta 9. Are you guys all now Sig Sours?
2: So, um, I mean, we're moving toward away from the traditional 9-mil over to an M-17 in the military.
8: Mm-hmm.
2: So we've been field testing and, and moving out toward, toward requirements. However, Army's still doing their whole, you know, M-4 rifle for qualification, standardization. Um, my unit's a non-traditional lot here, so we're not actually fielding anything modern. We have a lot of old hand-me-down stuff, just classic army.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right. that Everybody, make sure to check out <laughs> Rain on Your Parade and Wunderling DX, the retro editions with all the fun stuff that comes with us. And most importantly, these are really fun games yeah. for your Nintendo Switch. We've been speaking with Sergeant Jeffrey Wittenhagen, the CEO of Premium Edition Games. Love how you pull off both these things, man. And uh, and thanks for coming by the show, man. We appreciate it.
2: I appreciate it. And, you know, you can definitely check out our games at premiumeditiongames.com on our website. They're available. We also have some qu- limited quantities available on things such as Amazon, as well as in some local game stores across the country.
0: There really it is. Cool, and
2: I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
3: Great. Thanks, Sergeant. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Sports Byline USA.
1: Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
9: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, We'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now.
1: 800-950-8218. 800-950-8218. 800-950-8218. That's 800-950-8218. Paid for by Want to Sell.
4: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Right.
6: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the uh, show, 1-800-878-PLAY. We're waiting on our next guest who's going to come in here uh, momentarily, and uh, when we get her, we will uh, bring her in. Um, My one question is, American Humane is not the American Humane Society. Is that right? I don't know if uh, it just, it keeps saying American humane and um, American humane president. Okay. I guess that's the different than the American humane society. We'll figure it out. That last question I had about the Sig Sauer M17, uh, which is a, uh, they actually make these uh, in New Hampshire. I know they sound very German or Austrian, like a Glock. But if you think back to Georg Luger, Georg Luger invented uh, his little pea shooter and uh, tried to get it with the uh, United States uh, Armed Forces, and uh, they said no, so he went overseas. That's a story for another day. We are uh, quite happy now to be joined by American Humane President Dr. Robin Gansert here to talk about the second annual Betty White Challenge. Dr. Gansert, thanks for being on the show. Last year we had jo- uh, Joanne w- uh, Worley on the show, which was a thrill for me as someone who grew up in the uh, 70s. Just to remind everybody, what is the Betty White Challenge, please? Oh, well,
9: thank you, and happy 101th birthday for Betty White. If she was still with us, she'd be celebrating her 101st birthday. So it is a special day today. Well, you know, last year we had just lost Betty, a national treasure. And what we decided to do was to gather those animal lovers and Betty White's fans and create what we called hashtag Betty White Challenge. It was an opportunity for us to encourage her fans to actually forego their cup of coffee, forego their lunch that day, and make donations to their favorite animal charities whether it's your favorite rescue group, shelter, zoo, aquarium, or American Humane. Make that donation. And believe it or not, over $12 million was raised as part of the Betty White Challenge, maybe even more. Wow. A stunning amount of millions raised across all animal organizations. And what I love about that is I know American Humane, from what we raised through the first year challenge, we were able to save, rescue, shelter, and care for more than 1,000 animals because of Betty White. Now, that was the first year of the challenge, and we're getting ready to do something very special with challenge year number two.
3: You know, I think about the the way things and, and the timing of Betty's passing, and then the, the pandemic, and we heard about so many pets being adopted as people were isolated and lonely, and then coming out of it, how some of them have been discarded. What are those challenges for you when it comes to that?
9: Well, you know, truly, uh, the impact of Going back to work, the uh, uh, the economy, inflation, rising cost across the board, loss of jobs. We now see that there are shelters in many communities that are back to where they were pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, being overloaded with animals who need those forever loving homes. I'm hoping the second year of the Betty White Challenge that we can do a couple of things to bring awareness to that. Number one, encourage you to go to your local shelter and rescue group, and if you have room in your home, bring home a new best friend, provide them with a forever loving home, make a donation today in Betty White's honor, or join forces with American Humane and sign our petition that we're going to take to Congress next week, declaring every year on January 17th is National Betty White Day, so we could have these important conversations about our animal friends, what do they need, what's happening in animal rescues and shelter groups, Susan Aquariums. These are the conversations Betty would want us to have and bring awareness to the cause.
3: It's pretty amazing to me when I think about Betty White. Usually someone um, from a different era can't adapt to the new era, but I just think about her going from Mary Tyler Moore, which is I grew up watching her on that, and then coming into the modern day, and then just being, I mean, just millennials embracing her. What was it about her infectious personality that she was just such a chameleon in that
9: way? Well, you know, I think she her authenticity, her genuine passion and support, her sly, wicked sense of humor, I mean, all of that made her a national treasure uh, in so many different ways. And the way she was able to reach across generations, I think, was connected because she demonstrated her love for animals. And, again, animals are, uh, I think, was such a passion for her that she. everyone knows across the, uh, the generations that she loved animals, and I think that was the one thread that really uh, connected people to her, regardless of age. You know, I knew Betty personally. So many stories of, uh, of her that gave us insights into her very essence. After a, a disaster like Fukushima, I went over to visit with her, showed her photos of animals. And what she told me was she saw how the animal felt by looking at their eyes. Mm. She could always tell an animal's feelings through their eyes. So powerful, and that's how she lived her life.
3: What is it for you when when you think about her as a friend and a mentor as this as well? What what are some of the things that in your head you still hear hear her saying something to you?
9: One day she told me we were having dinner one night and she had had a tough interview, a tough media interview, and someone had criticized her for her love of animals. I will not mention the name, but it was not a pretty interview. And she was so upset over it and she said, Robin, you know, I'm getting older and I need to hand over the heavy mantle of responsibility to animals to you. And that night, it still gives me goosebumps And when that conversation was had over dinner. And I just think about her, her passion, her love, her dedication, her doggedness to fight to be the voice for animals. And that's what I'm reminded every day when I get up, to be dogged as a determination to be the voice for saving animal lives. Not only in shelters, but in zoos and aquariums, wildlife conservation. She was a terrific advocate for all animals for which we share this word.
3: Yeah, dogged. I love the double entendre there. Um, yes. was, was she being interviewed by Charles Manson? Who, who, <laughs> who, who criticized? No, but
9: I won't mention to you if <laughs> he's still out there interviewing. But she really was very hurt by that. And I've never, I just was stunned by her humanness. She was, you know, uh, just part of the, you know, I always lifted her up as being really superhuman. But she had feelings just like I do. And I was so touched by her passion and, and um, everything that she embodied.
3: Well, I can hear the passion in your voice. We're speaking with Dr. Robin Gansert, American Humane CEO and President. Remember, all social media, hashtag Betty White Challenge, and you can go to AmericanHumane.org as well and um, uh, make a a a donation. Uh, Dr. Gansert, uh, a great cause, and uh, best of luck, and uh, thanks for coming on and telling everybody about it again.
9: Thank you so much And happy birthday Betty I know she's smiling from heaven right now
3: All right, thank you so much That's pretty astounding If you think that You're going to have Betty First of all You should never Make your guests feel bad And sometimes I might make a joke That doesn't come over well Whatever But I would never intentionally Make one of my guests feel bad Especially a woman Who's almost 100 years old Who's super sweet And then Why would you get mad at somebody For liking animals? I don't know that's a new <laughs> that's a new one on me. Uh, I'm Rick Tittle and uh, come on back on Sports Byline.
10: Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk. This month, we are remembering Martin Luther King's vision, and I have with me Dr. Claiborne Carson, the director of Stanford University's World House Project. Dr. Carson, what legacy did Martin Luther King leave us to carry forward?
11: Well, I think Martin Luther King left us with a question, where do we go from here? And uh, that implies that people are prepared to provide answers to that question. And so, I, I think we're trying to do that. We'll do our best to try to allow people to learn what is necessary uh, to answer the question. Um, Because I think if we don't answer it, King warns us that our options are chaos or community. And I I would definitely want to move toward um, community rather than chaos. And, And I think that we have now some tools that we've learned from previous liberation movements about how to build the more positive option.
10: Your group has done a lot of research about the civil rights movement. What have you learned?
11: Well, I think learning from the past. Uh, I'm a historian, and I think that we can learn lessons from the past. And uh, and uh, so much of what we describe as human history is really told by those who were the dominant groups. And we're only in the last few hundred years developing tools such as the novel uh, such as the, uh, the narrative of, of slaves. Uh, you know, all of these are various ways in which people who are gaining uh, the skill to tell their own story or who have been given that skill by people who want to tell their story for them, that, uh, that we begin to see that there's another history and that history is fascinating and it's inspiring and it's it's something that we are continuing in the 21st century with the tools that we have available to uh, to make sure that history is told by by everyone who's involved in making history so uh, so i think that his you know these are essential to answering his question where do we go from here because it also re- redefines who we are uh that we are part of humanity and that that's who we have to move forward with.
10: Thank you so much for developing tools that we can use to work together in peace as humanity. Go to World House Project on the stanford.edu website or just search on Stanford World House Project. This is Karen Lyle of Salesforce Talk.
3: All right, the dulcet tones of crisscross applesauce on a Tuesday at 940 can mean only one thing, that is free dance lessons for everyone. It also means that we have Karen Lyle from salesporttalk.com. Karen, how are we doing today? Do we have Karen with us? <laughs> Karen, you're there.
10: I'm here. Can you hear me?
3: Yes, we got you now. How are you doing today?
10: I'm doing fine. Now, there you are with those free dance lessons again.
3: (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, we do have a guest. Let's bring him in. It's Darwin Garrett. He is crew above the schooner tall ship Sultana. Now, Darwin, is this the one that was British during the Revolutionary War and then sold to America and rearmed and all that great history?
8: Um, not quite rearmed uh, to America, but we were a part of the British Navy. We were, in fact, the smallest ship in the British Navy of our time. Uh, American-built, uh, captained by an American uh, as well, one John Inglis. Uh, but he was a staunch royalist, the, and at least as far as we know the history of the vessel,
10: it was always in the British Navy. So tell me, Darwin, when was the, the, the ship—this this is a replica I'm taking it—when uh, was that, that was built? Uh, the replica, I believe, the
8: the keel was laid in uh, 1998. Uh, it took about three years to build, uh, using incredible, like, volunteer labor. I think it's the uh, the story of the building of the Sultana is, I think, honestly, as uh, a favorite of mine as much as the history is. Um, it was a lot of sweat equity uh, from locals of Chestertown, Maryland, where our, our ship's home port, as well as many school groups from all over Maryland would come in to kind of help raise the framing. Uh, and in fact, I least some of their signatures are still in the hall today.
3: So the, the loyalists, I know a lot of them, they bailed and they went to Halifax and others. And so at that point, the Sultana kind of just went along the coast and, uh, looked for, I don't know, customs duties and uh, prevent piracy, things like that?
8: Pretty much. Um, We were a revenue cutter uh, right before the Revolutionary War properly broke out. The Sultana uh, operated until 1772 uh, because we were the smallest ship in the British Navy. That made us very good at kind of hanging around bays. I know that uh, according to John Inglis's law book, uh, log book, I should say, um, a lot of the times they, they were around the Chesapeake Bay, uh, around the Delaware Bay, uh, and we were able to go in places that m- some of their larger warships were not able to go. So, yeah, our, our job was absolutely preventing piracy, preventing smugglers, uh, and we were— Rather prolific. Uh, we, I believe, we searched around 400 ships looking for smugglers. Any guesses about uh, how many of them actually had smuggled goods on them? Two. That's right. Yeah, I'm
10: two ships
8: out of 400. Um, Wait, I well, guessed it right. Not necessarily successful,
10: <laughs> Rick. You get a brownie point. Oh
8: my gosh. Yeah.
10: Right. <laughs> well, or maybe the smugglers were just that good. You know. Uh, so tell me, Darwin, so what is the length overall of this, and how many sails does she fly? Uh, we have a total of six sails on
8: the modern Sultana. I believe the original would have had 14. I don't even know exactly where they would have put them all. We're not a very large boat, as I mentioned. Um, but the length overall is about 97 feet. Uh, the length of the deck is 52. Uh, so much of that, our, our bowsprit takes up much of that uh, length overall.
3: Now, do you have, just in case, an inboard motor if things get dodgy?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So we have, I believe, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm really worried I'm going to get this number wrong. I believe a 240 John Deere uh, marinized engine inboard.
10: I love that you know these facts. But, of course, you're spending quite a bit of time aboard the ship as crew. Tell us a little bit about your, um, your, your daily routine.
8: Yeah. So we are primarily an educational vessel. Uh, we partner with a lot of schools in on the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay, all over Maryland. Um, in the way that like a lot of students have a local history unit for, uh, in late elementary school, uh, most kids spend that time uh, doing a field trip on our vessel. So we mostly do day trips during the school year, taking classes up to 30 fourth graders, typically. Um, out on the day Dayfield, teaching them about kind of a marine ecology in the Chesapeake Bay and a little bit of history as well, of our, of our vessel as well as Revolutionary War history uh, as well. Um, over the summer, particularly when schools aren't uh, doing anything anymore. We kind of switched to a summer camp program, taking students out for three days, five days, seven days at a time out on the Chesapeake Bay.
3: So as a, uh, a Loyalist ship, uh, are there any sticklers? Like when you go past uh, Annapolis, do they take pot shots at you? <laughs> uh,
8: at least not past Annapolis. Although we definitely have had a few uh... not quite b- informal battle sales, let's call it, with uh... the Godspeed and the uh, Privateer Links uh, and some other ships that we've ran into out on the bay. Uh, those, those aren't <laughs> too much fans of us. Although historically, some people have taken shots uh, uh, at the Sultana, I believe.
10: So tell me about the weather and the the current current you know how the currents flow and what you experience when you're going out in that area because I haven't sailed uh, along the Chesapeake Bay.
8: Yeah, um, you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Most of your experience is in the San Francisco Bay. Yes, uh, I so I've, I've talked a with a lot of people. I've never sailed in the San Francisco Bay. So with our powers combined, we can make one complete bay sailor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, the Bay is interesting. The the wave interval is uh, never particularly the height of the waves is never particularly high, uh, but the interval can be quite short. So you might have a, a four foot. Um, four-foot swells, uh, but over the course of four seconds, uh, and our boat is, um, I believe it has been described as a, a little bit like a bathtub. Uh, we're not not—we're a little bit beamy. Uh, we're not very hydrodynamic in the water, uh, and so even those four-foot swells at 4 uh, four-second intervals can quite make us a,
10: a, a sawhorse quite a bit. When so I when you're it... climbing up to the top of the um to the top of the mast or setting, setting the sails or, 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 or pulling them up, what, what is that like when the, the boat is rocking from side to side and you're, you're going up? Oh, it's, I think it's uh, one of
8: the best experiences in the world, frankly. Uh, but I'm also, you know, nobody goes to work on traditional sailing ships uh, with a fear of heights. And if you do, I like to think that that gets a... You get a, some very immediate exposure therapy. Um, but it's, uh, it's... We're not a very... Tall ship is, uh, I think, such an interesting word because we're not particularly tall and we're not particularly big, but we are historic. Um, so I believe the height of our rig is around, at least uh, we poor sailors skipping up a loft are about 60 feet up in the air. Um, and uh, particularly, we, it's more exciting when we get waked by a jet ski or some power boat because then you really feel the immediacy uh, of that uh, healing and rocking back and forth.
3: And uh, also, I know that when you make a replica, it can't be exact because you have to be spe- uh, specific to Coast Guard regulations, right?
8: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: So tell me a little bit more about the down-rigging weekend. You get a lot of other ships in there?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So um, this year was my 1st uh downrigging weekend. I'm very excited for next year as well. Uh, we had about 400 years of uh, nautical history represented uh, between some of the earliest uh, ships to ever visit America, uh, from the days of, like, uh, Dutch colonization, thats I believe the Kalmar Nickel, uh, to some very, very modern vessels, uh, relatively speaking, uh, in the uh, Schooner of Virginia, and um, some other more, like, uh, I believe, 60s gentlemen's yachts uh, arrived as well. But there were many, many tall ships around bluegrass and some of the best oysters that I've ever eaten.
3: What? How can you describe a junk rig or the sort of the Chinese lug sail? How does that work in?
8: Oh my goodness! Well, I've uh, I've never sailed on a junk rig ship, uh, but I've always wanted to because I think they look they look absolutely wild on the water. Um, th- I believe uh, it's a series of battens uh, that are each attached and able to control by their own line, uh, which means you have like. a a pretty unprecedented amount of control uh, for a relatively simple rig. At least I, I don't. I, I can't say that I see a whole lot of them. Um, there's one other one that I know that I've seen around on the Chesapeake Bay, uh, the Norfolk Rebel. I think. Um, oh no, I don't know if that's true. I, I think it might be the Summerlin. But uh, regardless, it's a it's an absolutely wild rig that we don't see a lot here in
10: America.
3: Yeah, I just thought I'd throw a non sequitur at you there.
10: Oh yes, yeah. totally caught me <laughs> off guard. So, Darwin, uh, what, what's your favorite crew duty? Oh, man. Um,
8: my favorite crew duty. That's such a good one.
10: Unironically, I
8: love swabbing the deck. Um, what? We always like, I do, I do. Call me crazy. I'm a deck hand, I'm not a deck saint. Give me something mindless
10: to do. Actually, I've done that on my own boat. I had a Choi Lee that had a teak deck, and I swabbed it <laughs> with some salt water to make sure the mold didn't grow, and it was actually kind of fun yeah, exactly, you get it. Um, I I guess a close second would also
8: be uh, munging, uh, getting some kind of little butter knife or something, getting all the little nooks and crannies and working out all the little schmutz that gets accumulated there. It's like cleaning out your fingernails, but like the fingernails of your boat. Incredibly satisfying.
3: Do you have like a little, (laughs) uh, a little faux cannon to announce your uh, arrival?
8: Oh, we in fact have uh, four operational swivel guns on the Sultana. Um, A regular part of our education program that we take students out is we demonstrate the use of them uh, with a little bit of 18th century gunnery.
3: Is it still muzzle-loaded or
8: breech-loaded now? It is uh, absolutely muzzle-loaded. The the historic Sultana would have had eight. We only have four. Mm -hmm. Uh, But each one is still very much operational.
10: And I'm assuming that that's with no projectiles.
8: No, no, no. Every single time, the kids always ask us, are you going to
10: shoot something out of
8: that? And the Coast Guard would get very mad if we did. So can you,
3: like, if you had to, could you take this thing across the Atlantic, or is it not built for that?
8: Uh, Oh, it is, um, I would not, uh, personally, and I don't think any of our captains would either. uh, Historically, the Sultana did cross the Atlantic three times, but every time it was very dicey. They almost sank, uh, limping into Halifax and London, the two ports that they uh, kind of made landfall after uh, that passage. Uh, And it was a, I would not describe it as a comfortable experience. We were much happier sticking close to land.
3: I remember reading uh, about, in those times in the 18th century, crossing the Atlantic, they said it was like being in a jail where you can drown.
8: Yeah, absolutely. It's a that I, I sound that. Fun. I've never gone on a, a transoceanic crossing, uh, <laughs> but uh, even just kind of going out deep into the t- uh, Chesapeake Bay can be like, you know, you never know how close you can get to the people around you until you're stuck with them
3: on long periods of time. And Karen, we have time for one more question. Go ahead.
8: <laughs> so why, did, why a tall ship? What, what attracted you? Uh well I do believe and I've discussed this with some of my coworkers quite often that there is a I have a mostly a background in uh, theater arts. Uh there's a very clear theater to tall ship pipeline. There's a similar sense of hierarchy, there's a similar sense of camaraderie. Uh you also have to learn your lines on a stage. Uh and uh, just you know if you really think about it the similarities just keep on coming.
3: Everybody, for more information, go to sultanaeducation.org. It's really cool. We've been speaking with Darwin Garrett. Darwin, uh, you got a really fun job. Thanks for coming on and talking about it.
10: Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thank you, Darwin.
3: And uh, Karen, we'll catch up with you next week.
10: We will indeed.
3: All right, very cool. Thank I'm Rick, you, Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back on Sports Bottom.
5: Do you have an invention idea but don't know what to do next? Call InventHelp now for free information on how to get started today. InventHelp provides invention services that help everyday inventors get started with their idea. We have representatives nationwide who will explain the InventHelp process step by step. Over 10,000 patents have been secured through InventHelp's patent referral services. Our services include professional materials needed to showcase your invention, and 3D animation and prototype modeling that help you demonstrate your idea. Get down to the details of your idea with a technical drawing. The InventHelp databank includes thousands of companies who have agreed to review new ideas. We've been helping inventors since 1984. Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308.
3: That's 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
6: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: Oh, thank you for that. And uh, we do have our divisional playoff round set. And now it'll be the 49ers. We will rock you till we win the... They'll be taking on the Cowboys in Santa Clara. And we'll get more into that. But this guy, Maher, the kicker, you talk about the psychological... element of sports to miss four extra points. Now, here's the thing to remember. The extra point is no longer a chip shot. And when I went down to the Marriott Bonvoy, uh, what was it called? A uh, combine, I guess. Emmett Smith hosted it at Santa Clara at the Niners practice facility. And they had Steve Bono telling you how to throw a ball. And they had Joe Nedney out there trying to show you how to kick a field goal. And uh, what's that, Rick? You kicked a 50-yarder? Well, I didn't want to bring it up. (laughs) But I asked Joe Nedney about the extra point, and he said, I'm so glad I don't have to do these, that this came out after I retired. And I said, um, I go, is it hard? He said, It's close enough where you're expected to make it, but it's too far to be a chip shot. He goes, I hate these. And um, Joe Nedney, by the way, knocked the Chiefs out of the playoffs when he was with the Raiders, San Jose State. And uh, I asked Emmett Smith when I sat down, after the whole thing, I sat down and did like a half-hour interview with him. And I said, can you tell I once played? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I can tell. I was like, ah, he can't tell. All right, uh, we have another two hours to go. Mike Lupica and James Patterson zusammen together in the third hour. Come on back.
4: SA News, I'm Richard Johnson. When President Biden visits California, he'll see evidence of the absolute power of Mother Nature.
0: You know, it's scary to think of the, the force that these waves get underneath than and just broke everything.
4: Bar owner Chuck Hammers in Capitola on the Central Coast will have to replace all the flooring in his bar thanks to waves breaking it up from underneath. Reporter Dana Griffin says Hammers and others now wait to hear what kind of rebuilding help they might get.
6: This is a a tourism area, and they really rely on tourists coming to spend money at their businesses. So they're hoping to learn more information when the president visits these disaster areas because they want to know how are they going to get this money and how do they need to apply for it. So those are still a lot of questions that they are all trying to figure out.
4: California is getting a break today as about three weeks of near-endless storms are now ending. The president today is meeting with several governors at the White House to talk about the economy and investing in infrastructure. Later, he'll welcome the Golden State Warriors to celebrate last year's NBA championship. The World Economic Forum is underway in Switzerland with a prediction that growth will slow down this year. But International Monetary Fund Chief Kristalina Giogena also predicts the world economy will rebound next year. A new report says businesses that require workers to return to the office are losing out on job candidates. The Salary Guide and Workplace Trends Report says 63% of companies either lost a candidate for a job or job seekers put that company on the back burner when remote working was not possible. Are you taking part in dry January where you quit drinking for a month? One expert says for many of us that's too big an ask.
9: The heavy, heavy drinkers who are used to drinking a
10: six-pack of beer a day cannot typically go cold turkey and just quit alcohol.
4: Dr. Kathleen Whiteley at the University of Texas says a better approach might be a damp January, slowly limiting the booze. This is USA News.
0: Nothing fights the winter blues like a delicious and satisfying meal. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to start the year right and keep that warm and cozy feeling going all winter long. Right now is the perfect time to stock up and fill your freezer with flavor. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $30 off your order. Save on perfectly portioned favorites, easy meals, and so much more with Omaha Steaks Freezer Filler Sale. That's $30 off and. Endless variety of gourmet choices from incredible steaks, premium chicken, delicious pork to seafood. There's something for everyone, and every bite is backed by their 100% money-back guarantee. Visit OmahaSteaks.com today. Enter TREAT at checkout to get $30 off your order. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required.
4: Looks like more of us are putting off medical treatment because it costs too much. A new Gallup survey shows 38% of those asked say they postponed a treatment last year. That's 12% higher than in 2021. Drug companies in the USA have been having a tough time with their supply chains. It was so bad last year, the government had to release some emergency reserves of the antibiotic amoxicillin. There are also shortages of things like inhalers, lidocaine, saltwater infusions, and morphine most of europe is dealing with similar shortages one expert says there's an important lesson in this crisis we should never be
12: letting our uh, chief global rival china uh, produce most of our medicines
4: doctor ezekiel emmanuel is a professor at the university of pennsylvania and a former advisor to the biden white house he says the solution is to go back to where most of our drugs used to come from puerto rico
5: we have facilities we have a trained workforce uh, it's relatively lower paid than the United States. It'll also bring Puerto Rico out of recession.
4: Puerto Rico used to produce most of our drugs until a tax break ended in 2006. Many companies then turned to China and India. Emmanuel calls that a silly move to save a few pennies. The state of Washington could join Utah as the places in the USA with the lowest legal blood alcohol levels. A new bill introduced in Olympia would lower the limit from 0.8% to 0.5%. I'm Richard Johnson, USA News.
0: At Progressive.com, you can compare car insurance quotes using AutoQuote Explorer to find the right one for you, even
4: if it's not with Progressive. Because, you know, it's just the right thing to do.
6: Oh, you mean like when I'm driving and stop at a crosswalk for a pedestrian? But they don't walk, so I wave at them to go, but they wave for me to go.
10: And now I'm stuck here with this fake smile, hoping to end this game of who can be more polite.
0: But still, it's the right thing to do. So compare rates with Progressive's AutoQuote Explorer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
1: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
12: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh,
13: he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Welcome back. Hour three underway. We're about a half hour away from Mike Lupica and James Patterson together talking about their new book, the house of wolves wolves Jerry saw a story out of Vegas that Golden Knights goaltender Robin Leiner and his wife has have filed for BK as it's called not Burger King but bankruptcy I don't know why it's not BR but anyway bankruptcy Nevada they have 50 million dollars in debts chapter 7 and they owe money to no fewer than 50 people and companies. There was a company in Wisconsin that sued them for $4 million, saying that uh, they took a loan and then uh, didn't pay it back. Um, <coughs> Leonard and his father, Michael, are listed as the principal members in a Nevada business license filing for solar code a limited liability company corporation llc doing business in multiple states including nevada and arizona solar code agreed last year to a four-year repayment plan with eclipse services but did not make the first five payments an attorney for laner has not responded but laner's debts also include mispayments for a collection of rare snakes that he bought for 1.2 million He keeps the snakes at a reptile farm in Plato, Missouri. Yes. Uh, their assets are worth $10 million. He signed a five year, $25 million contract with the Knights in 2020, but then had hip surgery. Later, of course, from Sweden. But yeah, why did we go bankrupt? I, mean, I feel bad, but $1.2 million in rare snakes. That's when you know you have money to burn, and it turns out you didn't. Yeah, yeah I feel bad for him. Uh, 1-800-878-PLAY is a number to call. We're going to come in and talk a little college hoop with J.D. Sharp on the other side, and then we'll get to Mike Lubica and James Patterson. Come on back.
1: Wendy's nose cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And
6: all night, until close.
1: With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. Wendy's Hot and Crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's Hot and Crispy Fries.
2: Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them.
14: Let's keep making money together.
1: 800-754-4531.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, and it is uh, 11, 12 a.m. Pacific time. That's when we check in with one of our friends over at uh, ProWagering, ProWagering.com, and we have J.D. Sharp once again. We're going to talk a little college hoop. Before we get into that, uh, J.D., uh, I know there in Vegas, uh, Robin Lehner of the, the Knights, apparently he's declared bankruptcy, he has 50 million in debts, and I saw that. 1.2 million was spent on rare snakes. So, what's the dumbest thing you've ever bought when you've hit it big? We don't have JD. (laughs) After that long (laughs) (laughs) intro, one of my favorites ever was that I was in a discussion. Let's say a rather heated discussion with a guy. And I went, what do you think of that? And it was a BDD. And that makes me laugh. There's something about the dial tone that always makes me laugh because it is live radio. What are you going to do? I was watching uh, the North London Derby Sunday morning on Peacock and the entire feed went out and they said they had nothing to do with it. JD, are you with us? You had him? He's just gone. He doesn't exist. All right. He gone. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's change topics then. one 878 play By the way, I uh, remember the Steve Martin album when he talked about hitting it rich. <clears throat> now in The Jerk, well, there's that great line by Bernadette Peters when he gets sued because the OptiGrab is pulling your vision in together. Carl Reiner shows you can turn you cross-eyed. And uh, he says, up uh, Peter says, I don't miss the money. I just miss all the stuff. <laughs> she says it like that. It's pretty good. JD, do we have you back?
14: Yeah, back. Sorry about that. My, uh, I didn't realize that my phone was at 2%. <clears throat> so we're good.
3: That's all right, um I was gonna say, just for fun, uh, I know that uh, unfortunately, Robin Lehner down there with the Knights has declared bankruptcy fifty million in debt, and I saw that one of his uh, one of the reasons he's in debt, he spent one point two million dollars on rare snakes. so I ask you, what's the dumbest thing you bought when you've hit it big?
14: Oh man that, that's a that's a really good question. Um, one time. I hit. I had. I want to say two grand on the LSU Tigers sixty to one to win the national championship Ooh. three years ago. It was right before COVID, and I. I think I had been married for maybe two years at the time, but my wife and I lived a couple blocks away from the Fashion Show Mall in Vegas, and the Fashion Show Mall. It's like the Mall of America. Uh, extra, extra, extra. I mean, every they've got Tiffany there. They've got Neiman Marcus. They've got Lululemon. They've got all the places that, that the women like to go and mm-hmm. shop. Mm-hmm. And I think we opened up seven credit cards wow. over the course of like a week, and the bill was probably maybe twenty to twenty-five k uh, at the end of it all. So, so yeah, that that I would say that that would probably be the, the, the dumbest thing, as far I as mean, d- dumb as in you know you should never op- open that many credit cards at once. But I mean, and then the fact that I didn't really get anything out of it. My, you know, my, my wife, uh, she she definitely increased her wardrobe and accessories, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, but that that was definitely the most uh, impulsive decision that, that I've made financially in my life.
3: Well, that's that's very nice. That's better than you know saying I bought something for myself. You spoiled your wife. That's a nice story. Right,
14: right. right, right. I did. I did, I definitely did. But it wasn't. I mean. <clears throat> Long term, it, it probably wasn't the best decision. By the way, 1.2 million for a snake farm. Okay, I get it, but how does that equate to 50 million?
3: <laughs> well, you it's just one fortieth. <laughs> well, that means 49 other dumb decisions.
14: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want I to I know what. I mean, I guess him and his dad had had a LLC with uh, based in Scottsdale, and I want to say another. It wasn't even Nevada. I think it was a different state, maybe Chicago, maybe Illinois. And uh, it's obviously, they must have had a bunch of really bad real estate deals. Here's what I think happened. He probably got huge into crypto and just got demolished. Hmm. That's what I think.
3: All right. Well, speaking of crypto, that's not a good segue. Tonight, (laughs) Kansas at K-State, the Sunflower Showdown, two ranked teams. What do you think?
14: K-State by 10-plus. Woo! This this is my biggest play of the year so far. Wow. Uh, Kansas State. Kansas is not deep. They barely won multiple games k-state matches up everywhere i'll take keontae johnson over jalen wilson any day i'll take marquise noel over john harris any day i'll take their bigs i'll take their depth they go about 10 deep kansas maybe i mean kansas could they could get blown out they could get blown out uh but i bet they lose by at least at least eight points this this should be a very uh convincing victory for kansas state who is one of the most complete teams in the country (laughs)
3: I thought this was interesting, too. Tonight, Texas is at Iowa State at the Hilton Coliseum there, the Cyclones. But then I saw a stat that said Iowa State is the worst D1 team in the paint on defense. I'm like, well, how are they ranked 12th then?
14: I'm not even sure I believe that. They actually, no, they're not huge, but they've got you know, Osun, Osini. The average is like three blocks a game. they got three guys that are 6'10 plus. I think that's, that's probably wrong. Uh, but this isn't a great matchup for Iowa State. Texas actually matches up with them really well. They don't have a they don't have that seven foot big that Texas has problems with. Like for example, uh, Texas Tech. They played them a couple days ago. I had Texas Tech in that game, and they got a Far Da Far uh F- Amok F- F- uh, 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 Amok. He's uh, he was a transfer from Utah Valley. He played his first game. He's about six eleven two seventy five. Texas has problems with a guy that size, but they're not going to have a problem with the six ten guy. Uh, this is a game that I think Texas probably wins. Um, but a, not a game I'm, I'm, I'm really gonna. I, I'm not gonna touch. I, I don't feel. I don't feel great about it either way. The games that I've got so far, I uh, definitely got Kansas State. I like the Tennessee Mississippi State under. I think they'll struggle to score 110 points in that game. It's at 124. And then uh, I also like Vanderbilt plus eight and a half. half. Vanderbilt's actually one of the one of the big surprise teams. They go about 11 deep. They've got good guards. They've got the size with Liam Robbins and Liam Liam Robbins inside. They play better at home. They don't turn the ball over very much. In Alabama they average 18 turnovers a game on the road.
3: Tomorrow Providence is at Marquette and I just thought that was interesting because Bryce Hopkins was supposed to be the guy for Coach Cal and he transferred from Kentucky over to Providence and uh, looks like that's uh, he's found a home for himself there.
14: Yeah, Providence actually beat Marquette at home. Now they're traveling to Marquette. Providence, if Alan Breed doesn't, or if Jared Bynum doesn't play, I think is in trouble. Hopkins has had a really good year uh, against Marquette. I-, I believe his big game was against Marquette. I think he had like 31 or 33 points. He gets the line really well. He's only 6'6", 6'7", so he's not huge. But they've got Crosswell and Clifton Moore inside. Um, Marquette is one of the most complete teams in the country. They've got four or five good guards. They've got uh, Iso Ugadoro who they listed 6'9", but I think he's 6'11". Tyler Kolek is a guard that everybody should know about, Six 6'3", 190 pounds. Uh, he kind of, kind of reminds me of Steve Nash, the way that he plays the game, but probably a better athlete. They've got David Joplin off the bench. That's a game that I haven't looked at yet, but um, I'm guessing that I'll probably go with Marquette, especially if Jared Bynum's not playing.
3: Well, more for you. Speaking of Steve Nash, I'll be uh, at Santa Clara at St. Mary's, my dad's school versus my school on Saturday night. But before that, Saturday afternoon, UCLA and Arizona, Pac-12 showdown in the desert. What do you think?
14: Arizona is one of the most overrated teams in the country.
3: Mm.
12: Uh,
14: they've got the size down low with, with Balo and uh, Tubelas, which and, and, and UCLA doesn't have a lot of size and size. They've, you know, they've got um, Adam Bona, who's a freshman who's playing really well, uh, and he may be able to match up with Balo. And then they've got Kenneth Wuba off the bench and Mac KTN who are okay. But Arizona turns the ball over constantly. I took Arizona against Utah State last week. They were up like 20. They won by 10. Uh, Kirk Crease is a walking turnover. They don't, have the, they don't have the play at guard. One thing UCLA does is they don't turn the ball over. They're not particularly deep, but they play really optimistic deep. So they're going to be able to, to advance on those turnovers from Arizona. I'll look at the line, but uh, I'll, I'll be pretty surprised if Arizona wins that game.
3: J.D. Sharp, Mr. Splurge himself, he's here from ProWagering, <laughs> ProWagering.com. Mr. Credit Card, hey, thanks for coming on, man. Good stuff. Hey,
14: thanks a lot. See you later, Rick.
3: Yeah, I never understand how you can just, I can throw out Marquette and you can name me three guys. I just don't know how he does it. That's why he's the man. we got an open segment on the other side. Come on in before we get to Mike Lubica and James Patterson right here on Sports Byline USA.
6: Rick Tittle, you done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella fine.
3: Thank you for that. Coming up in the next segment, Mike Lubica and James Patterson will join us. Their new book they've written together, Did You Sit on Each Other's Laps, uh, called uh, The House of Wolves. Let's go to my man, Charlie, who's in New York City. What's going on, Charlie?
13: Oh, Rick. How are you? Uh, like to talk about uh, well a little a little of everything Raiders football uh, impressions from last night's game real quickly if the Cowboys play like they did last night and and I know Tampa's offense isn't nearly as uh, exotic or as in depth as the Niners but they I I, I I think that that will be a really good game and if Dak Prescott who played really well plays to that level they can pull off that. They can they can win out there. Um, I, I'm I'm I just uh, something's telling me we're going to have a Dallas Philly NFC Championship game. An old throwback to the Wilbur Montgomery, Hall CarMichael days. Um, now with Brady, he uh, he obviously didn't have his best game. He threw the pat, He threw the ball about a hundred times because they have no running game. Um, I don't know if it's just from him not his pocket presence he didn't want to get hit which was you know some of those passes he just threw away before he got clobbered Um, but going forward given the fact that mr. Carr is no longer a Raider of all the quarterbacks out there you still think he is the best immediate option
3: man it's hard I mean, Because you ta- can go
13: on either or thing. Would you rather have Brady or Jimmy G next year as your starting QB?
3: Well, Jimmy G, I think, would be a bit of a commitment. What I would do is if I can't get Stroud, the only quarterback I like, if I can't get him, then I go one year of Tom Brady and sign Stidham to a two-year deal, have him back up. You can always cut him. No, one, no one's going to give Stidham a starting job. So if I don't get the quarterback I want... Uh, to me, Jimmy G is just like putting Derek Carr in there. It doesn't make any sense. In fact, I like Derek I Carr know, a little bit better because yeah, he understands a little bit better. But I would go. I, w- I would sign Brady to a two-year deal, and if it didn't work out, get rid of him after one.
13: Well, I would even if. So, so what you're saying is, if they if they can somehow get Stroud, you would start Stroud next year. You would just go right – it. You wouldn't bring in Brady even for a year. Well, if you, you could get
3: if if you could get both. That would be amazing, yes.
13: Well, that's what I'm saying. You sit, similar to the Alex Smith-Mahomes um, uh, situation where he sat for a year, would you trade up to get Stroud? Uh, would you, whatever it would take, would you move up a few spots if it obviously would have to be more picks or whatever? Would I, you move up?
3: To- I would I would move up, but not for another one or a two. I. I would move up. Um, for uh, a three or a four, but I don't love Stroud enough that I want to give you another one or another two for him. Um, and he won't be there at seven. We know that. Um, uh, maybe Bryce Young and Will Levis—they'll all be gone. I won't cry my eyes out if those three guys are done. I just hope they don't take Richardson. That guy is, you know, to me, he's just a, a raw talent, and and you you don't spend a first round pick on somebody who's just a completely raw talent like that.
13: No, I understand. So, so, so say the Raiders move up to whatever pick, and both Stroud and Carter fall into their laps. Who would you pick between those two? Uh, Obviously completely different positions.
3: Well, uh, normally different. I would take Carter, but Stroud would be the guy now that they have zero quarterbacks. I, I, I do like him a lot. I think he's going to be a player. Um, um, you know, I'm not in love with him, but I, I don't want Bryce Young. I don't want Will Levis. I don't want Richardson. Um, if there's a guy later on in the draft that they want to draft and, and try and groom, I guess, but they've, they've painted themselves into a corner here by, no, get, by getting rid of Derek Carr. So to me, it's Stroud or nothing.
13: Um, and what, what were your impressions of the game last night? Did you was it more just a lack of talent on Tampa's part, or did or did Dallas have like look like they had an extra uh, step, uh, pop, pop in their step, or something? Well, they I didn't think played on a level they hadn't played in a few weeks.
3: Yeah, I, I think that this was a case of uh, a, a team that had a losing record that backed into a division championship, and another team coming in that was full of confidence. So um, I think Tampa just showed that they are a sub 500 team, right?
13: Do you give Dallas a shot against the Niners next week, or do you? Think Not much.
3: I, I, I mean, oh I,
13: really? Oh, so you don't you don't see it? That's
3: yeah, true. I just I just think the Cowboys wouldn't be able to do that two games in a row. Um, the Niners have won 11 games in a row. Um, no, I know. Yeah, so no, I I, I don't give the Cowboys a great chance. Obviously, they've. They're full of confidence, and they they performed great, and I'm sure they're excited about it. But yeah, I can't. I just I just don't think it's going to happen for Dallas.
13: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment. I, I, I listen. I hate Dallas as much as most of the other teams I hate. But I just I was just I'm, I'm uh, Parsons was all over the field. They just play, they were playing on a level. Maybe it was just the Tampa lack of you know they had nine running attempts. Uh, the game was out of hand early in this first second half, so maybe it was just, a, a, just a, uh, all that playing into it. But I, I just thought well, I, I was I was really impressed with Dak in the first half. Mm-hmm. He he uh, played you know no, no turnovers or you know just know, uh, who, who, yeah, we'll see we'll see. I'm I, I'm I'm pulling for a Dallas Philly championship game just because it's throwback old school. In Philly, end January, bitter cold, that type of thing. That's that's sort of uh, yeah.
3: I like I the I uh, like the Harold Carmichael reference. Yeah, and, Wilbur, and the Jaws and
13: the, the, the whole the whole the whole the whole, the
3: whole. Do you remember when? Uh, and I shouldn't say this because it's mean, but they did a thing on they followed Ron Jaworski home, and his wife was there, and she was screaming at him. Did you ever see that in the show? Seven- oh no! no. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah this was like 1979 and they showed her and and the poor lady she was this real big lady and he came in and she's like run
13: run Brad! he's like okay how, how honey is
3: from,
13: how is that different from any other marriage <laughs>
3: <laughs> well now it's like you know there'd be some like cupid doll with fake boobies like that's kind of the nfl oh, right, wife right. now you yeah
13: players wives up in the stands yeah and <clears throat> prettier than the next so yeah i get it all right well on that happy note uh we'll uh we'll, 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 we'll do, so do you uh, well, last question is brady
14: a qb next year for the raiders
3: yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a definite possibility. I think the the Raiders are really going to reach out to him, and and uh, they're going to try everything they can to to talk him into coming over. And and the if if you want Tom Brady on the Raiders, the best thing for you is what happened last night, which was he basically just sat out there for three hours and on a pathetic team, not looking very good. And I don't think he wants to go out like that.
13: Well, yeah, well, yeah. He'll he'll say he, if I'm Brady, I'm telling him, get me a couple of offensive linemen, sign Jacobs. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit back there and get pummeled. Anyway, I'm that happy now. I'll uh, keep listening. Talk to you later, buddy.
3: Thanks, Charlie. That's Charlie out there in uh, Manhattan. And, um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, would I want Tom Brady if Derek Carr is under contract? Well, that wasn't going to happen, obviously, because why would he come into a place where there's already a guy, right? But on the other hand, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty – well documented that Tom Brady is a competitor, and he probably does not want to end his career looking completely ridiculous. And <clears throat> it's a team sport. His, you know, he will always be remembered as a five-time Super Bowl MVP, and uh, also a uh, seven-times uh, Super Bowl champion. Um, he'll be the greatest of all time. Blah 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 blah. But. I also remember Dan Marino's last game and all those pick sixes he threw. And I remember the last one, he ran over to the guy and he was going to try and tackle him. And then he patted him on the shoulder pad as he went by. It was kind of like, yeah, whatever, you got me. (laughs) Do you want to go out like Dan Marino? Probably not, but... You know, maybe if he was still married, that also would be bad because she's like, look, Tom, you retired last year and you came back. Enough is enough. And he'd probably like, you're right, honey. I'm sorry. It was a bad idea. You're right, my darling. Well, my darling is they're not married anymore. And so you think, well, what does he have? Does he really want to go to the booth? Does he really want to say that's it? I'm done. I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. When we come back, two of the uh, monumental authors of our time, Mike Lubica and James Patterson, they've collaborated on a book, and we'll talk about it next. Who? Oh,
8: yeah. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are? It's the Big Stuff. You're never going to get my love.
6: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco on Sports Byline and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. There's a brand new book available from Little Brown. It's called The House of Wolves. Murder Runs in the Family. And it's a collaboration between James Patterson and Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica, one of the great sports writers of our time and of course James Patterson one of the best fiction writers in history as well Mike let's start with you first of all gentlemen welcome to the show this kind of reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark where uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg got together I mean how did this collaboration begin
12: well we met in a bar Rick I'm not proud to tell you that (laughs) and uh, I I mean it don't all great partnerships begin in bars (laughs) (laughs) well, you take it away, Jim, because I—I I was just—I was having a quiet drink at the end of the bar, and, and you walked in and changed my life.
7: <laughs> yeah, well, that was about it, and uh, we're still uh, changing one another's lives. The, you know, this book, uh, House of Wolves. Probably a lot of a lot of people don't read uh, fiction, but. Uh, uh this is one to read yeah, you know after the last year, I mean this has been the top couple of years, and then last week stunk too, and we all need some entertainment in our lives, and this is kind of like the top gun of books. So uh, I'll leave that as my sort of description of it. Just re- very, very entertaining stuff. And very sports-oriented.
3: So, so, James, how does it work when you write? I mean, you guys are autonomous writers, and now do you say, hey, I got an idea for this and that? Do you sit down together, or do you sort of just email different chapters to each other? or How does it work?
7: Uh, well, we talk a lot. We talk on the phone tons. But, you know, there's nothing <laughs> strange about this. People just go, oh, my God, how does that work? Pretty much every television show has a, a writer's room. With six to eight, so there's nothing like new and mysterious about this. There are a lot of things that work with uh, with people working together. Probably, you. I don't know your show. You sometimes you got a. Isn't there a co-host, or am I making that up?
3: It's just me. But if you want to co-host with me, I would love to have you. Oh, okay, we can do that.
12: Sure. Rick, you know it's funny the the um, uh, this partnership. Uh, has produced a book that, by the way, is set in the city of San Francisco, yeah. where my sister lives. I love it. Jim loves San Francisco. And, and there's two big books that came out last week. Uh, one, you may have heard the, the other one, uh, this guy Prince Harry, and uh, <laughs> The House of Wolves. And, and here's the thing. The wolf family in our book, Jim Wright, is way more dysfunctional than the royal family. <laughs> That's true.
7: You know I mean Harry, Harry, you know, he gets slapped around a little by his brother, and then, uh, you know, he, he's not talking to his dad. That's nothing in the Wolf family. <laughs> that's like a, that's like a, that, that would be considered a good day in the Wolf family. Well,
3: did, did one of the Wolf family fall into a dog bowl? Well,
12: uh, no, something, something, no, no. A couple no. of the
7: Wolves uh, don't fare that well in this book, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that.
12: Rick, let me tell you something, though. I, I will tell you without spoiling our book, okay? A couple of them do take a fall, right, <laughs> Jim? They, 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 There are a couple of bad falls in this book.
3: Well, I did see, as someone from who's spent my whole life here and read the Oakland Tribune and San Francisco Chronicle. You're going with the San Francisco Tribune. I like it.
12: Yeah, we just we, 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 again, this is a this is a, a, a dysfunctional family. I mean, Jim Jim's favorite show, and and now it's become mine is is yellowstone okay and and you know what what we're trying to do is is recreate our own dysfunctional family with uh, you know the the motto of the wolf family this will tell you what uh it was like growing up in the family of joe wolf who owned the paper and the football team kill or be killed that that was the motto (laughs) that he passed on to his children so that gives you a little sense that the duttons and the roys in succession they got nothing on our guys
3: Wow! So you know, we just—I
7: I just shared it with Mike uh, today. Just got a, a, a note from Barry Alvarez's wife. Barry Alvarez was the athletic director at Wisconsin until recently, a mm-hmm. big, successful football coach, and he read it over the weekend. And his wife Cindy says he never reads a book in two days. It Was unbelievable. So it, it's—it's a—it's a sports book, and if, if Barry Alvarez can like it, then uh, the, the folks listening are going—I think get a kick out of it. Now it's a good. And Rick, ind- my yeah.
12: mother-in-law read it in two days. So that I mean, <laughs> that tops uh, the very
7: Alvarez, Mike.
12: <laughs> no, I'm not saying it, it, uh, it tops a, a Rose Bowl coach, Jim. I'm just saying that my mother-in-law, who, by the way, Rick loves me very, very much. Okay, <laughs> she read it. She read it in two
7: days. She doesn't really like him that much, which is another reason why it was so cool. <laughs>
12: No, and what? but here's here's the thing about this book. Here's the thing about this book. We have a great main character, mm-hmm. and her name is Jenny Wolf, and she has she has uh, exited this family for all intents. She's got three brothers. They all want one wants the paper. Two of them wants the football team, and want the football team. And then stuff happens, and all of a sudden, a, 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 a woman who is teaching high school. And, and coaching a high school football team, a fictional high school, uh, they're, they're called the Hunter Point uh, Bears in this book, Rick. And all of a sudden, she she becomes the driving force in this novel. She's a great character.
7: You, know, you mentioned at the start what a good uh, you know, sports writer Mike is, and he is good, good fiction writer, too. But uh, one of the things I like about this partnership is, is Mike brings such authenticity to the sports stuff. I mean, the sports scenes in this book are, are they're really, really cool. The football scenes, they're nuts. I mean, here's the, one of the weird things is uh, just before the book came out, you know, that the young guy uh, fell over in, in the stadium with the Bills game. Mm-hmm. That happens in our book. I mean, it's like on page, whatever it is, page 60 or something, one of the players goes over in the ambulances there, and this guy dies on the field. It's a drug overdose, but you know. So, and and it, it feels real. I mean, it was, it was spooky for us, though. Mm. Thank God the guy's okay in, in Buffalo
3: couple more questions for James Patterson and Mike Lubica, the new book, The House of Wolves. Mike, do you, when you think about the protagonist, Jenny, are you already picturing, like, Margot Robbie? Like, are you picturing the screenplay? H- I'm always
7: picturing Margot Robbie, Mike.
10: <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> I, I <guess laughs> before
7: we came on, they had that, that adverse, two advertisements, one for sex pills, and then, and then one for, uh, if you want to get your book published, so those were totally relevant to the
0: two of us.
12: <laughs> Rick, do you see what I go through? Do you see what I go through, Rick, on a daily basis, okay? This man has sold more books than anybody else on the planet, and, and, and these are the sorts of comments he makes on a big-time syndicated uh, uh, radio I'm show. I'm just an observer
7: and, and, of life,
3: Mike. Well, you get
12: to... Hey, it's hey too- no, Margot Robbie, Rick, Margot Robbie <laughs> would just be fine. You can picture me saying to Margot, holding an a, a imaginary phone to my ear, going, Call
7: me, okay? Call <laughs> me. Well, to Cherise, if she's listening, Cherise Theron, she'd be excellent.
3: we we, we could go there it's just like two New York guys I mean how do you get a word in on each other right we don't (laughs) (laughs) well James I remember hearing you years ago and correct me if I'm wrong if I'm mistaken could be decades ago you talked about how you pulled up to a red light and somebody was someone was driving whilst simultaneously reading your book because they could she couldn't put it down <laughs>
7: i know yeah i it, it's there's some spooky stuff and people will talk about that like they're bragging like i'm going to listen to this and go oh good that's excellent but i i people forget the red light i have talked people talking about reading it while they're but people do that now they do the phone thing and they're texting and whatever and they're driving. it's like you know at any rate yeah but they do they they uh, uh, that, that notion of, of unable to put it down can get carried away t- at times.
3: And then and Mike, Rick, yeah, Rick,
12: ask Jim. Ask Jim what happened. This is what worldwide fame is like for Jim Parsons. okay? <laughs> Jim, tell, tell Rick what happened at
10: the restaurant. Well, I, I
7: run into this kind of thing. Like You can imagine. You know, I go into a restaurant <laughs> where we, we, you know, we, we go there. My wife and I go there. It's a nice place. And the waiter's taking us down the main aisle. And this woman pops up, and she goes, I know you. Uh, you sold us our life insurance. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, not bad. And, uh, Mike, I've got to ask you, what's it like being part of uh, Seinfeld canon?
12: Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, how much time do you have? I got uh, a few minutes. I'll try to... Okay, I'm going to tell you the story as quickly as I can. Uh, Jim's tired of hearing it, but it's actually a pretty good story. Okay. Do we have to hear um, this
7: one again? Yes. No, no, no. Um, I'm, I'm no. Go
12: have a cup of coffee. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to tell it fast. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, about 30 years ago, I was in line of dialogue. George working at a publishing company. His boss asked him who he reads, and he says, <laughs> Mike Lubica, and, and, and the guy says, Who's that? And Costanza <laughs> says, a uh, sports writer at the Daily News, very uh, very insightful. Okay. A- about six months ago, my wife and I are coming back from Los Angeles. Jason Alexander Rick is sitting right behind us uh-huh. on our plane. Uh-huh. Okay? I never go up and introduce myself to famous people because you're, you're just opening yourself up to heartbreak. Okay? <laughs> or having somebody ask to tell you that they, you sold them insurance. Okay. So, but I, I just feel like this, this is going to be one Time for me to thank him for this odd sort of sitcom fame. Mm-hmm. So as we land, Larry David, because of that, he wrote that episode. And has become a friend of mine. I texted him and told him my circumstances. He says, "You have to introduce yourself. You're Costanza's favorite sports writer," which I did. He couldn't have been better. And he said, "How often do you hear about it?" I said, "About every six months when that episode comes around again."
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just—I mean, there's memes of it now. It'll live forever.
12: Yeah no, and when somebody (laughs) likes um, a a piece I've written in the newspaper, they will say, "You
7: did George (laughs) (laughs) Costanza."
3: Last question for you guys, James: Are you already working on book two together?
7: We've actually. This is weird. Mike and I have already finished book two and book three. What? That's how. That's how crazy we are not. it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a house of wolves it's, it's something else but yeah so yeah we're we're pumping and we're we're working on something else now right mike
12: we are we never <laughs> close the thing the thing that we share rick truthfully in common we, we both write every day and and jim always says he doesn't work for a living he plays for a living i i, I feel the same way and we encourage people to buy this book and i'll tell you why rick I have no other skills. So if this thing (laughs) falls apart,
7: I... You want to go with our logo here, House of Wolves? Woo!
3: (laughs) (laughs) The House of Wolves Murder Runs in the Family, available from Little Brown from our guests, James Patterson and Mike Lupica. Gentlemen, great uh, stuff. Thanks for coming on. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back on Sports Byline.
1: network a call right now and get our free audiobook guide 800-514-0521 514 521 that's 800-514-0521
0: do you own an annuity either fixed rate indexed or variable are you paying high fees and getting low returns if so annuity general would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity Hurry. Supplies are limited. Call now. 800-760-1845.
1: 800-760-1845. 800-760-1845. That's
0: 800-760-1845.
6: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: I feel bad about that now, but uh, how good were those guys? Those guys were on fire. I almost wish I could, like, separate them and and interview them separately. (laughs) Those guys were on fire. Sometimes you get into these press junkets, and it's like, stand by for Obama. Yeah, I mean, Lupica called me my name like 12 times. Rick, 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 check this out, check this out. Those guys actually like each other. They like talking to each other. And um, th- this is going to be huge. The House of Wolves. I mean, you—you he you, you mentioned uh, Yosemite, which I don't really like. I gave that three tries, and I just, it was too dumb for me. Um, Succession is, the, the filthy language is ridiculous, but I am hooked on Succession. So I do watch that. This is going to be on HBO Max or something. <laughs> Amazon. Netflix. It just, uh, it just will. I think it is funny though. I remembered that story about when the woman was he. James Patterson said she was at the wheel, uh, holding his book, and that made Lupica uh, laugh. But uh, yeah, they, they're like a couple of teenagers there. That was pretty good. <clears throat> um, nice. One a play. One more thing before we let you go. And by the way, tomorrow Kevin Pollock uh, is scheduled to appear on the show. Uh, getting the Heisman odds for next year. Yes, for next year. Caleb Williams, the holder, returning to USC, to repeat, he is 6-1, to one, but he is not the favorite. The favorite is Drake May. Drake May is the quarterback at North Carolina. And you, I mean, I, I heard about him because he was the ACC player of the year. And um, it was his uh, first true season that that he played all the way through. Um, I know he got some snaps last year, but it wasn't the same. But he threw 38 touchdowns, 7 picks. Uh, The Tar Heels went 9-5. and Um, He threw for over 4,300 yards. His dad, uh, Mark May who's uh, my age. He was the Tar Heels quarterback when uh, I was in uh, college. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I was surprised to see the name. If you want to know the others, uh, Jordan Travis, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jr., a couple of Pac-12 guys there, transfers, Sam Hartman, Jaden Daniels. What is this, his ninth year? He was at ASU and now LSU. So, uh, anyway, my thanks to uh, my guests, Sergeant Jeffrey... Wittenhagen, Dr. Robin Gansert, Karen Lyle, Darwin Garrett, J.D. Sharp, Mike Lupica, James Patterson. Relentless interviewing continues tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pac-Time. Yeah, man, I hope we don't have brain damage. (laughs) (laughs) Great way to end the show.